Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I'm Brad, and thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate that. Hope all is going well with you. You know, I'm starting to feel pretty good about myself in terms of little little projects that I had done around the house. Nothing too crazy, but I was feeling, you know, accomplished. Like I had done something since the whole lockdown began. That is until I read about this dad that uh, built a coffee shop in his backyard. It's, uh, in my opinion, it would be the ultimate DIY project. Um, It's a personal coffee shop in his backyard that he built from the ground up. It's a uh, called La Vida. It's his tiny shop. It's about the size of one of those tiny homes that everyone loves so much. But it, uh, it's got it all, you know, the, the countertop with, you know, the display case where you can put the pastries. Uh, it's got a chess table, some cozy chairs. He's got one of those chalkboard menus on the wall. That's how detailed this thing is. And it looks really, really well built. He goes by Ed the Builder, which makes me like him even more. He's not even going after the fame here. He does have an Instagram, which uh, you can follow him to see what he builds next. I'll link that in the show notes. But uh, it is a masterpiece, Ed. Really, good work on that. I'm on one of those uh, neighborhood Facebook groups. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like a next door, but it's on Facebook. One of the members of the uh, of the group, he, uh, he was a little upset about people not wearing their mask around the neighborhood parks. And um, I got to come clean here. And uh, hopefully I don't face too much uh, retribution for this. But I sometimes don't wear a mask when I'm walking the dog or going for a run. And uh, the reason being is that I am a master at avoiding people. I mean, like a stealth ninja. Uh, It's my new game, you know, to see how many people I can outrun, outflank, you know, out move. I just basically move away from people, you know, for their own good, of course. But uh, when I see someone coming, uh, I immediately go the other way. <laughs> um, but after seeing this guy's post, I thought, okay, you know, I-, I should go ahead and wear my mask, even if I don't come within six feet of people. And if for no other reason, just uh, so that other people feel at ease. You know, if me wearing a mask while I'm running on the other side of the street makes someone feel better, then I'm all for it. Um, as a runner, it is a little cumbersome, but I, uh, I've invested in one of those, that's like a tube you put over your neck. And so I put it up when uh, people are coming by and I, I take it down. But here's the, here's the whole point of this story, right? The moderator of the Facebook group, she deleted the post um, for, for today's purposes. I will call her Karen. Uh, Karen doesn't like posts about fireworks or face mask. Um, she says it's too political. And I, I honestly think it's a worthy conversation. You know, even if some people are passionate about their side and occasionally arguments ensue, that's that's okay, right? We're all we're all grown ups. <laughs> but this. This neighborhood Facebook group 
is Karen's domain. You know, she started it and it is her turf. So you can't talk about face mask or, you know, um, anything else pertaining that might get an argument going. But you can complain all you want about the train, you know, something that we can do absolutely nothing about. You can complain all day on that, but I, your postal stands tacked. In fact, uh, she might even grace you with a thumbs up. But don't start a meaningful debate about public safety, okay? That might result in neighbors listening to each other. She thinks she owns the Facebook group, you know, like, a, like it's an object. But when you open it up to the neighborhood, it, it's no longer yours. You know, at least not in any meaningful way, if you want to keep it. Hold on to something you love too close, Karen, and it might run away from you. What's the line? If you love something, set it free. Set it free, Karen. Maybe then I can change your name. I'm moving into pettiness on the show right now. I, I don't want to do that. I did see an interesting article about the bus from the movie Into the Wild. This was 1992. The bus was inhabited by a 24-year-old Chris McCandless, self-proclaimed adventurer. But yeah, there was a book that came out about him in 1996, uh, Into the Wild, and then a film of the same name directed by Sean Penn in 2007. The bus was in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. Yeah, it was at the uh, northern end of the Denali National Park. And in order to get to this thing, you have to cross this fast-flowing Telekanika River. But, uh, but they had to move the bus recently, uh, just a few weeks ago, because it was a dangerous tourist attraction. You know, people got trying to uh, make the trip into this bus. Um, two people have died. Uh, the most recent was killed when she was swept underwater while trying to cross the river with her husband. Uh, five tourists looking for the bus were rescued. One was frostbite, and after becoming 13 miles lost from where they were supposed to be, uh, all in all, there have been 15 bus-related search and rescue operations uh, since 2009 uh, to 2017. So local authorities probably made the right call on this one. It's not a safe destination, that's, that's for sure. It, uh, it probably shouldn't be attempted by anyone. But, of course, if Chris McCandless had not made that trip, we wouldn't have his wonderful story. And if you're not familiar with the film, uh, in 1992, Chris McCandless hitchhikes into Alaska on a quest for self-discovery. His last ride uh, drops him off on this rugged road called Stampede Trail. And this trail was developed back in the 30s by gold prospectors and later just became a, st a road for the state. A bridge was never built over this river. And when Chris crossed in April, the water level was still fairly low. You know, the snow and ice from the mountains hadn't started to thaw. He makes it across the river and just keeps following the trail. You know, he was... He was actually hoping to make it all the way to the Bering Sea. And 
One day he reached the clearing, this this clearing. It opens up and he saw bus 142. And the way the bus got there, workers building the road had used this bus as sort of a mobile shelter, you know, as they would progress along the uh, development of this road. They would just drive it a little further. So Chris decides to use it as his base and as he kind of prepped for the rest of his journey. He arrived there with just a few books, a 10-pound bag of rice, a gun, and some ammo. And over the next few weeks, he would just try to see how far out you know, he could go. He would do some hunting, mostly small game. Um, he did once kill a moose, but the meat spoiled before he could cure it. And that's kind of when he realized he was in over his head. Um, two months into isolation, he decided you know, it was time to leave. It was time to pack this in. Uh, I'm heading back home. But when he headed back down the Stampede Trail, he discovered he waited too long. You know, the snow from the mountains had melted because by now it's summer and it's flooded the river, you know, that he had basically crossed by foot back just a few months ago. He knew if he tried to cross it, it would just carry him away. So he returns back to the safety of bus 142, or the magic bus as he called it. Over the next few weeks, he started to run out of things to eat. You know, he, would, he was getting weaker and weaker and slowly just started to starve to death. As he was fading away, he wrote into this diary... No phone, no pool, no pets, no cigarettes. Ultimate freedom. This is my favorite quote from the, uh, from the diary. Happiness is only real when it's shared. I can see why people were drawn to bus 142. You know, it symbolized personal freedom or breaking free from society or returning back to nature where we came from. But not everybody sees it in this particularly uh, positive light, uh, in particular Alaskans. They have expressed very strong negative views about McCandless and those that try to romanticize his fate and go back to the bus. There was one park ranger that said, when you consider McCandless from my perspective, you quickly see that what he did wasn't even particularly daring, just stupid, tragic, and inconsiderate. First off, he spent very little time learning how to actually live in the wild. He arrived at the Stampede Trail without even a map of the area. Essentially, Chris McCandless committed suicide. I don't know if I completely agree with that. I don't think that was his end goal, but... What Chris failed to do was balance his romantic love of the wilderness with pragmatic planning and skills. I think humans like to think that they are top of the food chain. I hear that a lot. But spend a few minutes without a grocery store, especially a few months outside, and tell me that. You know, we've learned how to manipulate our food production in a way that leads us to think that we're at the top of the food chain. 
but in reality, we're nowhere near it. I think human egocentric ideas like this contribute to people that think that they can go anywhere or do anything they want. One of my favorite songwriters is uh, Nico Case. She has a line, it says, never turn your back on Mother Earth. Some people do succeed in escaping society. Um, the most recent that I can think of is Mick Dodge. He's also known as the Barefoot Sensei. And he left the modern world 25 years ago and has been living in the Ho National Forest ever since. It's located on the Olympic Peninsula in the Pacific Northwest. And it's in the western Washington state area. And it's one of the largest temperate rainforest in the U.S. So at one point in Mick's adult life, he had some foot trouble and found himself with cast on both feet. After the cast came off, he decided to start going barefoot. But when the time came to go back to work, he, he had some issues because he worked in an auto repair shop. So for safety reasons, you know, his boss was like, you can't do that. So Mick then tries to cut the bottoms off of his still cold toed boots so that he could still go barefoot. And he said that he couldn't taste, he could basically taste the floor through his feet. And it was at that point that he decided that uh, it was time to go to the wild. It was time to just leave, leave the grid. So Mick starts stashing items all over the whole river area. And he spent a year planning and stashing uh, supplies just in random places around this park. And then the day came and he just dropped out. You know, he had a small support group that knew what he was doing, but he stayed mostly undetected living in the hoe for 25 years only occasionally coming out to the modern world. And the reason I know about him is that there was a National Geographic show. And it lasted a few years. It was really good. Had two series, but um, the producers were basically trying to create drama where there wasn't any. And they kind of got irritated with Mick for talking to the camera crew during scenes. Uh, so he did it even more just to pester them. So they, they had creative differences. We'll put it that way. But the two seasons are a great watch. Um, one of the key things that I think that makes Mick different than Chris McCandless is Mick doesn't bill himself as a survivalist. You know, his main purpose for spending most of his time in the wilderness is not to soul survive, but to reconnect with nature as much as possible. He says that he's not a survivalist. He's just a guy who loves the mountains. So here we have two men, both finding solace in nature. In the case of Mick, he's running towards the wilderness. But with Chris, he seemed to be running away from something. Mick was prepared, and Chris not so much. 
Mick still had the community too, whereas Chris was in total isolation. And as dynamic as these two men are, and as interesting as they are, the character out of these stories that I relate to the most now, at least right now in my current situation, is bus 142. You know, just like the bus, I can't return to the wild right now. (laughs) The amount of infected people in Texas is skyrocketing, and it It seems like everyone wants to be outside right now. You know, the trails that I like to run on and hike on are just not safe, not not by my standards. You know, I don't know how they could be because there are parts of the trail where you cannot so you can't socially distance from from another hiker. I mean, you could go off into the bush, you know, with the snakes, but That has its own set of problems. Now, for now, I stay with neighborhood runs and wide open fields in the park. And it's been about five months now since I was in what I call the woods. (laughs) And, I mean, there are a few spots on the trail where you can't hear any cars from the roads. And that silence is just so beautiful. It may be a year from now before I feel comfortable venturing out into those places, but I don't know. I've been, uh, I've been a bit devastated over this. I was actually thinking of going, I was kind of on the fence, you know, Kim was telling me like, Oh, if you went early in the morning, you could get out there before the crowd, but then all hell broke loose here in Texas. You know, the numbers just went through the roof and um now there's it's just not worth it i think big ben is even closed i think that might be the only one but um you know once once i started accepting once i accepted this and how things are uh i was still sad you know being in nature for me is like how religious people feel about church but once i accepted the reality of what what's going on it actually helped me, you know, it, it might be a year or two before I'm back on the trail again, but it will happen. You know, maybe that's one of the lessons of all this is, uh, just acceptance of the present moment, no matter how much it might suck. Doesn't mean I have to love the present moment, you know, but, uh, just makes it easier to get through. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate that. You can find me on Facebook at the Coffee Buzz Podcast and on Twitter at the Coffee Buzz PC One. A link to my latest Spotify playlist can be found in the show notes. You can find all my past episodes at thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. Quite a bit there if you're new to the show. There's even a spot where you can send me a voicemail if you like. Uh, And if you record one, uh, there's 99% chance that I will put it in an episode. So, hey, try it out. TheCoffeeBuzzPodcast.com Thank you once again for listening, and I will talk to you next time.